Holy Spirit is not optional. When it comes to spiritual warfare, heck, when it comes to the Christian life in general, the Holy, there it is, the Holy Spirit, when He is a part of our lives, we should expect God to work. Not maybe He'll do something, or I hope He does something, but He will do something. See, that's what I love about our denomination, about the assemblies. We expect God to show up. But here's the problem that the church today is facing. Too few believers understand the need for the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not, I'm not calling you so much to action today as much as I want to plant a seed in your mind. Now, I'm sure there will be other weeks where we really want to call to action. But today, I kind of want to, I want to cut through some of the clutter that we've accumulated in the church around the topic of the Holy Spirit. See, our mentality in the church in America is, I've got Jesus. What do I need the Spirit for? I mean, truly, that's the way a lot of people think. I've got Jesus. What do I need the Spirit for? I've got everything I need. Let me tell you a little story this morning. There once was a carpenter who applied for a construction job. Now, during the hiring process, he wrote on his application, dependable and hardworking, willing to work overtime. During the interview, he talked about construction processes. He understood how to read blueprints. He even knew the latest building methods. So the company ended up hiring him. Now, this guy showed up to his first day on the job wearing his overalls. He, he had a tool apron, he had a tape measure, nails ready to go in his pouch, but he had no hammer. So the foreman said to him, hey buddy, it looks like you're almost ready to go, but I, I, I think you're missing something. What do you mean, he asked the foreman. Well, um, how do I say this? You, you don't have a hammer. Well, I don't need that, he replied. Confused, the foreman asked, well, how exactly are you going to nail boards together? Oh, I'll be all right. I'm sure I'll figure it out. Here, the foreman said, I've got an extra one. Take this one. Oh, no, no, no. I better not, the new guy said. Hammers are pretty dangerous. I'll just use a rock or something. The foreman said, I thought you said you had 20 years of experience. How exactly have you done your job all these years without a hammer? Oh, you know, it, it gets done somehow. Usually someone else comes along with a hammer, and I stand there and I watch. Sometimes I shout directions on how they should do it. The building always seems to go up. The foreman just stood there with his mouth hanging wide open. <laughs> now, obviously, this is a fictional story, but there's a pretty big kernel of truth in it. If you call yourself a carpenter we would expect you to have the ability and the tools to do the job, right? Likewise, if you claim to be transformed by Christ and led by the Spirit of God, we would expect to see some evidence of it. Now, if I told you this morning that I just had a divine encounter earlier this morning that gave me incredible football skills, what would you expect to see? Right, you'd want to see some evidence of my claims, right? Uh, you'd want to see speed, strength, athleticism. You might want to see me have grown maybe another six inches. <laughs> right? You'd want to see me tackling big men with ease, great hands, 
Uh, a big, strong passing arm, maybe. Uh, but what if I didn't show you any of that? What would you think? Well, you'd think that my divine encounter was a lie, right? Yet the same thing is true for too many Christians who have claimed to be changed by the Spirit of God. They show little evidence of it in their lives, and they make no impact for God's kingdom. Now, when we read in the book of Acts, in Acts 1.8, we hear Jesus telling, telling his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses all the way to the ends of the earth. Now, that Greek word for power here in this verse is dunamis, dunamis, right? It's the root word for our English word dynamite. Now, that sounds like some pretty life-altering stuff, right? So why then, if God is offering us dunamis power through the Holy Spirit, why then do we see the church in America just barely hanging on? Hello? Why is it that when we read the New Testament, or even long stretches of church history, that we get a very different picture of what the Christian life is like? I believe it's because we've neglected the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not that we deny his existence exactly. We say his name. We, we even sing about him in church, right? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. But practically speaking... For many of us, we act like he doesn't exist. Francis Chan uh, wrote a book about this phenomenon called Forgotten God. Now, if you've never had a chance to read it, it's, it's a great read. It really is. But the point that he makes in the book is this. Many of us act like, oh, I know Jesus. What do I need the Holy Spirit for? What's the big deal? In the next few minutes, I want to make clear exactly why you need him to be a vital part of your life. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And if not, I'm going to have the verses up here on the screen. You could follow along up there. Reading out of the New International Version. Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Verse 13. This is going to be a familiar passage to many of you, something you may have read before, but I want to look at it with some fresh eyes this morning. Here's what it says, Matthew 3, starting with verse 13. We're going to read for quite a few verses here, so just hang on with me. It says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will just bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And it says, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and he lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, so here we get to see the beginning of Jesus' ministry. There's some pivotal events that are happening in, the, in, these, in this stretch of verses. And we could literally spend weeks unpacking all of this, but there are a few major things that I want to highlight this morning. First of all, in this passage, we get one of the clearest presentations of the Trinity in the entire Bible. In verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3 there, we see all three members of the Godhead together. Jesus the Son being baptized, God the Father speaking from heaven, and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus. Now when the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door and say that the Trinity is a lie, you can point them to these verses. It's a hard one to explain away. Here we have one God represented in Three persons, all one God, all equal, but three distinct persons with different roles. One of the great mysteries of the Christian faith. Uh, my favorite illustration to help make sense of it is the three states of water, right? You have liquid water, you have steam, and you have ice. And the three different, three different states of matter that can all three exist side by side at the same time. And the Trinity is much like that. God has chosen to, to reveal himself to us in this way. It's a mystery. It's profound. The second thing that we see in this passage is this. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He is a real person. The same as Jesus and God the Father. Now, a lot of people get this one wrong, I think. Um, maybe we could blame Star Wars and the whole idea of the force for the misunderstanding. The Holy Spirit is not a mystical source of energy that, that we tap into. He is a real being. Anytime the New Testament refers to him, it uses the personal pronoun, he. The Bible says he can think, he can love, he can be grieved, he can be insulted, he can choose, he can teach, he can comfort and so much more. 
And finally, the most important thing that I want to drive home to you this morning is this. Are you listening? Write this down, seriously. The third thing we need to learn from this passage is that Jesus did not rely on his own power. He relied solely on the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Jesus did not rely on his own power when he was on earth. See, most of us read about the life of Jesus and we say, well, he was the son of God. Of course he could walk on water. Of course he could heal the sick. Of course he could turn water into wine. But I'm telling you this morning that Jesus did none of those things in his own power. Now, before anyone stones me for heresy this morning, let me tell you what, that I'm not teaching something new here. Okay? I'm not denying that Jesus was God in human flesh. He most certainly was God. He was 100% God, and he was 100% human. But what many Christians misunderstand is that nothing Jesus did was in his own divine strength. Pastor Nate, what do you mean? I don't understand what you're saying. I want to show you another verse here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Take a look at this. We read this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. See, Paul is talking here about how Jesus stepped out of heaven and joined his 100% deity to our 100% humanity. Notice that he says that Jesus emptied himself. That's important words. The Greek word for empty is the word kinuo. The early church fathers called this concept kenosis. It's a big fancy word. It's the idea that when Jesus took on Human flesh, he emptied himself of his divine power. Now, what we're not saying here is that Jesus lost his divine power. He didn't lose it. He still had it. We're not saying that Jesus was somehow less than God. He was most certainly 100% God. What I want you to imagine is this. Imagine that, now we'll, we'll use my, my debit card for an example. Imagine that Jesus had a divinity card, right? That read something like, Son of God, second member of the Trinity, all rights reserved, okay? And any time that Jesus flashed this card, he could exercise his unlimited power. But when Jesus came to earth, he willingly chose to pocket his God card. All right? In other words, he chose to veil, to conceal his deity. Why did he do that? You see, besides coming to lay down his life for our sins, Jesus also came to set an example for you and for me. Listen, he came... To live human life the way that it was meant to be lived. Fully dependent on and surrendered to God. 
Jesus lived his life as a full human being in the way that God intended for us. He didn't rely on his own supernatural strength. He could have. He could have. But instead, he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Now back to our passage. Right? That's why when Jesus was baptized by John... When he was baptized by John, he said, it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? What it means is that he, he didn't have any sin to be forgiven of. Jesus was perfect. But he was setting the example for the rest of us humans to follow. And what happened next? As soon as he did that, that's why the Holy Spirit came down upon him. It was so that he could receive power to live the human life that the Father had called him to live. It's why when, when Jesus went in the, into the desert that Satan came and tempted him, right? Satan wanted Jesus to fall back and rely on his own power as the Son of God, rather than relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus couldn't stay surrendered to the Holy Spirit, what makes us think that we could do it? And it's the reason that Jesus didn't begin his ministry. You notice that before Jesus did anything, what's the very first thing he did? He got baptized, and the Holy Spirit came on him. Before he did anything else, he was waiting on the Spirit's empowerment to do what God had called him to do. So what's my point in all of this? Because Jesus didn't rely on his own strength to obey the Father, it means that he accomplished what he did with the same human limitations and frailties that you and I have. Remember what I said? He pocketed his God card. Jesus accomplished what he did with the same human limitations and frailties that you and I have, but... He had the power of the Holy Spirit. The theologian Wayne Grudem, you might have heard of him, pretty famous theologian, he put it this way. He said, Jesus refused to rely on his own divine nature to make obedience easier for him. Instead, Jesus always relied on and was obedient to the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane, what did he say? He said, do you not think that I could right now call on my father and he will at once put at least 12 legions of angels at my disposal? See, he knew he could at any time rely on his own strength, but he didn't. He was submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He never attempted to do things in his own will and in his own strength. So what does that mean for us as believers? First thing that it means is that Jesus lived his life in the Spirit's power rather than his own, which means that you and I can do the exact same thing. We have access to the same power that Jesus had. Mind blown, right? Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 12, he said, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, 
because I am going to the Father. And when he said that, he wasn't just blowing smoke. He really meant that we would be able to do greater things because we too would have the power of the Holy Spirit backing us up. It means that if we're not actively seeking and appropriating the Holy Spirit's power in our own lives, we are missing out on the full life that God has offered to us. Listen to me. You were never meant to live for God without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If it was good enough for Jesus, you better believe it's good enough for you and me. Now here at Evangel Heights, we're all about that. Yes, we want you to know Jesus personally. Yes, we want you to have the hope of eternal life. But guess what? We also want you to live in all the power that God has for you right here and right now. See, God doesn't just want you to punch your ticket for heaven and then sit on your hands. He has more for you than just that. He wants you to use you for great things. He wants to transform you. He wants to empower you, and he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. There's a story as we begin to wrap up this morning. There's a story about a little boy flying a kite, and it was a windy day. And the kite kept going higher and higher and higher, and finally it got so high that it was out of sight. And a man passed by and saw the little boy holding on to the string. And the man couldn't see the kite, and he asked the boy, hey, how do you even know you've got a kite up there? And the little boy replied, because I can feel it. The great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, once said, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, we are useless. Folks, although we cannot see the Holy Spirit, we should be able to see His work in our lives, changing us into the image of Jesus, and infusing us with his power. Now this morning, as we, as we close in prayer, you can bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning, as we close in prayer, here's what I want you to do. Now I told you that I wasn't necessarily looking for you to take an action step exactly this morning. You can, and I'm not going to stop you if you want to, all right? But what I want you to do today and over the coming days is this. Listen carefully to me. I want you to do some serious reflection. And here's what I want you to reflect on. Does your life demonstrate the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? Or does it feel like you're just spinning your wheels as you try to live for Jesus? Now, if it does, it just might be that you're trying to live in your own strength. See, every believer needs to come to a crisis of faith. Every believer needs to recognize that the only way to truly live for Jesus is to be fully surrendered to the Spirit of God in their lives. This is not something weird. 
It's not something rare or for the spiritual elite. It was always, always, always meant to be the normal Christian experience. Folks, listen to me this morning. The Holy Spirit is not optional. Let's pray together. God, our Father, I know many of us have tried so hard to live this Christian life in our own strength. I've done it myself at times. But Father, this morning as we read these passages of Scripture and we begin to understand that that's not how this life was meant to be lived. Father, I pray that you'd forgive us for trying to do that. Trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and do things in our own strength. That's not how it was meant to be. If the Holy Spirit was good enough for Jesus to work in, then certainly it's good enough for us to work in. So Lord, this week, as we go from this place this morning, and as we contemplate our own lives, I pray that you would reveal to us if we are indeed trying to live in our own strength. Help us to take stock of our life. And if it looks like we are indeed spinning our wheels and coming up short, challenge us. Convict us. And Lord, may each of us here in this room begin to press in closer. To be fully surrendered to your Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our lives. And not just in our lives, but through us. So that others can come to know you. Father, once again, we thank you for who you are. You are the Father who loves us. You are the Son who came to save us. And you are the Holy Spirit who came to transform us and to empower us. Father, this morning, I pray that you would seal this truth in our hearts. And we pray it in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Now listen, before you go, as I said, you don't have to come forward and pray this morning, but if what we talked about this morning has pricked your heart and you need prayer, I'm here. I know we have elders who are here as well that'd be willing to pray with you. I'm very serious. Don't just listen to a message and walk away and say, oh, that was nice. Reflect on your life. Are you trying to live without the power of the Spirit? God bless you folks as you go today. We'll see you again next week.